when someone experiences something that doesn't make sense to them, they then start a new belief about themselves, other people or the world, which means as they go through life, the trajectory can really change. So I think it's really interesting that now we are grown, we get to do this work and we get to look at, okay, was it being bullied in the playing field? that has made me so successful? Did I have a positive response from that? Or what has come about in my behavior or my way of living and being that actually is not adaptive or is not fully functional? And how can I go back and really dig into those places and spaces so that we can reprogram things so we can live easier, more joy-filled lives? Finally here, welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host. You should know what I sound like. And if you don't, it's your first time here. Why don't you go ahead and subscribe and listen to some others because you are missing out. I'm here with a fellow escapee from good old Blighty. For those of you who don't know what that means, you don't speak proper English. We might speak about that today, or we might not. I'm here with a cool kitten who happens to have not only escaped faster than I did and be away longer than I have, has also hung out in Southern Africa, where my family's from, and has magically managed to help people make tens of millions in their business using a weird sounding thing called pop psych. What do you call it? Pop psych? Pop psych. It sounds like it sounds like a weird TV show from Korea. We're going to find out more <laughs> about that. Welcome to the show, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Hello, <laughs> KP. Not bad for a Geordie, right? Not bad for a Geordie at all. For those of you who are not from the UK, um, Geordie refers to a particular corner of England where the people are really, really, really friendly. Um, I've got some good mates from that part of the world. The accent is amazing. Sounds like everybody's singing. Um, tell me a, a little bit before we dive into your journey and how you got to do what you do now with PodPsych, helping you make millions and millions and millions. Where does that? Where does that? Where does that story begin? Give me some context. Give me some background. Let me let me dive into the into the mind, life, heart, heart spirit of you. Mm, so I grew up in Newcastle and it's interesting because mm-hmm. a lot of my adult life has been focused around traveling and mm-hmm. going to all of these different places. Like you said, I used to live in South Africa. I lived in mm-hmm. Australia. Now I live in Los Angeles. I lived in Amsterdam for a while as well, actually. My sister lives there now. Really? Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> so cool. I love, yeah. I love all of the connections. <laughs> but when I was growing up, like I, I, our family didn't travel. Our family weren't entrepreneurs. So it's really interesting that I ended up with a life like I do, because Mm -hmm. we had a pretty normal upbringing. I have a younger brother who's, Mm -hmm. I'm 34, he's 32. Mm -hmm. And we just loved like building tree houses Mm -hmm. and like going playing in the mud. And we have an amazing photograph of the two of us where he's whacked me over the head with a plastic sword and I'm (laughs) crying my eyes out. And my mum thought it would be funny to take a photo of that. As you do. It was just like a normal upbringing, really. Mm -hmm. And I was originally supposed to be a mechanical and automotive engineer. Mm -hmm. So I did those things called GCSEs and A-levels in high Mm -hmm. school Mm -hmm. and thought that it would be good to be a girl in a man's world. And I'd studied maths and physics. And my dad was saying, like, I think you should go and do engineering. 
you're going to get paid a lot more money than doing a normal career. So mm-hmm. you could go and work in Formula One and you'll get paid mm-hmm. like 30 grand a year. Mm-hmm. And coming out of high school, 30 grand a year was like a massive amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like like worked myself into this idea of what a career should be based mm-hmm. on what my parents wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Now, luckily for me, when I was 18 or 19, the first time I ever went to Australia, I had a complete mindset change Mm -hmm. just from an intuitive hunch when my ex-partner who was a cricket player had come back from a sports psychology session and he'd Mm -hmm. said Nick like I've just had this session with this guy and he said the most amazing thing to me he said to me like when you're out on the cricket field and you're about to bat don't Mm -hmm. look at the fielders look for the gaps in between them instead Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my goodness like that's that applies to life it doesn't just apply to cricket like how many times are we looking for the problems or looking at what's going wrong or looking for what the next bill is we need to pay in the business mm-hmm. what would actually be possible if we look for the opportunities instead mm-hmm. so I came back to England after that trip cancelled my automotive engineering degree which I'd got two scholarships for everyone thought wow. I was mad <laughs> And I went on to study psychology. So I did psychology with sport, first Mm -hmm. of all, became a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And then after that, went to do my master's in positive psychology and set up my first business in 2010. Bloody hell. So first of all, I want to laugh that you said high school to the secondary school. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to laugh at that because I find myself doing it as well. And senior high instead of college no it's college and universities college is university yeah yeah so all of you but (laughs) but yeah I mean I remember when I was in secondary school my mate Darius um didn't go and do A-levels he went to go straight to work for I think he went to go work for the Bank of England I think I think he went to work for Bank of England and um ended up doing really well working his way up and another mate of mine Robert when we went to college or your senior mm. high to the, the Yanks on the line, he didn't go and do a degree immediately. He went and went and did a work program with HSBC because he started so long. He started when he was 18. He ended up moving up through the corporate ladder and they still helped him do his degree later. Oh, so he wow. ended up getting to now. So just interesting that people take these different paths and then you go the thing, the other one. But the thing that I really want to dial in is that the perspective that we have of what a lot of money is. Because obviously we came into this conversation throwing some big numbers around millions and millions and millions. But when you are coming from just an ordinary, ordinary background, ordinary life, imagining coming out of secondary school or high school, if that's what you want to say, um, and, and, and the prospect of having 30,000 mm. every year, especially a lot of people at probably at that age, probably still living at home with mum and dad, maybe paying a bit of rent or whatever. That's a lot of money, but much to your point in terms of where we focus our attention, we can focus on this thing and make this be all an end or we can open up our field of perspective and see the other opportunities, right? I just totally didn't get it. I think you're so young as well Mm -hmm. at the time when you're like railroaded into 
do you want to be a doctor or do you want to be an mm-hmm. accountant or do you want to be an engineer? Mm-hmm. And because I didn't have entrepreneurial parents, there was not really anything else in my awareness that I thought, mm-hmm. oh, cool, I could set up a business. Mm-hmm. I did have my friend's mum, who was actually a woman entrepreneur in Newcastle. Nice. And that was really cool. And my ex-boyfriend's dad was also an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you get asked those questions, like who was it who was really pivotal to mm-hmm. your development? I do always say my dad, because my dad has been someone who's had a domino effect in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And then I had these two friends' parents and Angie, I remember she used to go and speak in Newcastle University and she ran the entrepreneurship degree. Wow. So she used to get me in to support and to speak. And we had a business where we'd go and coach professional athletes. And that was really the start of me understanding what it was to run a business. And then my ex-boyfriend's dad, he was actually called Nicky, my ex-boyfriend. So we were Nick and Nick, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> And his his dad was, he had an amazing story. So it started off, he was an orphan and he literally worked his way up, yeah, from nothing all the way up to have a career in sports science, then in retail. So he managed um, retail malls. And then he was the first person to franchise the body shop. I don't know if you remember that. You used to get it in your Christmas stocking. Yeah, he franchised the body shop from Anita Roddick. And he taught me a lot, not just about what it was to be an entrepreneur and have infinite levels of success and income, but he also taught me, he was the first person to introduce positivity to me. So on that trip to Australia, you know, those passport holders that you get, Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. stuffed some positive quotes into the passport holder, like the Henry Ford quote, whether you think, whether whether you think you're wrong or you think you're right. You're right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I was like, whoa, what's this? And, you know, just like a kid, 17, 18 years old, I was like on the plane to Australia reading through these quotes. I was like, whoa. And that was the start of the adventure. I can literally remember the meal that we had on the plane. And I think just those you don't realize until you're older, the power of having people like that in your awareness at a young age. Mm. So I'm at the time recording this, recording this back in the November. Um, I, I'm going to record my TED talk this weekend. Congratulations. And, um, thank you. And um, one of the things I'm exploring in that, which so the talk should be out probably around the time that this episode's out, is the relationship between our environment, the unconscious inputs we get from that, and then the expectations that we have mm-hmm. that drive our ability to see what's going on in our world. But it's amazing. And I just want to celebrate the fact that you had these pivotal points of positive disruption in your environment. Because even when you look at, so like, for example, I did one year of university, went off and set up my first business. And to this day, my mum, I make millions of dollars every year. My mum still asks me, what are you going to go and finish your degree? (laughs) It's like, what are you talking about? So um, a a lot of people didn't even get that freedom. At least my mum asks me, when are you going to finish? Now that I'm doing my my doctorate, she's really excited. Oh, we have another doctor in the family. But um, a lot of people didn't have that either freedom to explore or even like a positive nudge towards, you know, go and doing this in their environment. Bringing this into what you do now, how much of an impact do you find that has on the amount of work that you need to do or you get to do supporting people and actually creating that positive psychology? 
I think it really is fundamental to what I do as a coach because I remember just I remember like really specific things that they either did or they said that influenced me for years to come so Angie my friend Steph's mum she said to me Nicola you are brilliant you are going to be very successful. It's given me chills saying it. She was like, you're going to be very successful in your life. And I, I just took the belief from that person when I didn't have it for myself. And I used it to inform this sense of knowing within myself forevermore after that point. So I think that that was a really important one. And then I remember with Wilf, one day I was doing a um, an interview with Sir Richard Branson and Elon Musk. And Wilf had had a lot to do with Sir Richard Branson from his other businesses. I don't know if you remember Virgin V. So he was involved with that. It was a virgin business um, that was cosmetics focused. So he'd spoken with Richard. So I'd said, I'm doing this interview. Can you help me with it? And I remember sitting down in his office and he had one of those big square desks with the leather on the top and it was massive. And he was like all the way over there at the other side of the desk. And I sat down and he said, okay, what questions have you got then? And I literally was mortified because I thought I was going to go into that meeting and he was just going to tell me what to do and tell me what to say. So it was really interesting because it helped me to really get a grasp on the importance of having mentors and the importance of being prepared when you want to um, really learn from those mentors to up level. Mm. So a lot of what I do in my masterminds now, our clients will come to us and I say to them, what's the best strategic question you can ask me right right now? What's Mm going to move the needle forwards in your business? And that's really something that I've learned from him all of those Mm -hmm. years ago. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I love that um, you, you, you... Some people have to go through a lot of pain. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask this. Some people have to go through a lot of pain to get these experiences that support them in being able to get the learning that you've had. What's one of the biggest challenges that you've learned from on this journey? I've had massive challenges. And I Mm -hmm. think like I once got asked the question, like, how do you avoid rock bottom? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't really think it's about avoiding a rock bottom because Mm -hmm what we find is that the rock bottoms are often the things that shape the like amazing growth that we have in our lives. Mm-hmm. So I think about it more as making sure we are resourced emotionally, psychologically, um, socially, so that when we do experience what you might know as a rock bottom, because these things can come out of left field, you can't prepare for them and say, well, I'm going to make sure that I control my life so much that I never have anything bad happen. That Mm. is our life. Like we are masters of suffering and navigating through Mm -hmm. how to find the gold within that. Mm -hmm. So some of the, the big things that I look at within my personal life, when I was 11 years old, I used to get bullied really badly back in Newcastle and I actually as an 11 year old kid try to take my own life Mm. so that I mean that must have been terrifying for my parents and I remember at the time I was just too scared to go into school because girls would literally fight like Mm. physically fight (laughs) girls are awful so I was pulled out of that school and I was homeschooled for six months until I could get a place in, in another school and my parents at the time remortgaged the house 
to be able to pay for me to go to this new school. And even looking at that inflection point and that changing trajectory when my parents said, listen, we're going to bet on her. Like, Mm -hmm. we think that she's got a chance of having a good life. So we're going to, we've been creating a financial future for ourselves and paying off the mortgage and doing Mm -hmm. things a certain way. And we've decided we're going to do things differently. So even now that I've grown a little bit older, reflecting on the power of that decision my parents made for me is absolutely massive. So Mm -hmm. something positive came out of that rock bottom. And then later on in life in 2012, I was actually locked in a taxi in Spain and I was raped. And then after, yeah, it's and these things are big life things, big life events. And I have gone on to be stronger and more successful than ever before, not just despite these adversities, but also because of them. Mm-hmm. So some of my like interest in positive psychology is in post-traumatic growth mm-hmm. and post-traumatic performance. So I really do know the power of the human spirit, not just to survive, but to go on to thrive. Mm -hmm. And I think when we recognize that we can approach negative or bad experiences in a very different way, because Mm -hmm. we're able to choose the the growth mindset from positive psychology rather than the fixed mindset, which is if it's not good, it's bad. And it's either absolute success or absolute failure the growth mindset is very much trusting in the process and understanding that there is a way through. We just have to go one foot in front of the other and really honor the journey along the way too. Um, Thank you for being so open with us and sharing about these times. Um, uh, The listeners will know I had my own dalliance with the dark shadows of suicide as well. Um, and many won't but earlier in life I had some sexual trauma as well when I was younger too so there's there's those mirrors and and yeah I can speak to so I find it interesting when people grade their traumas against each other so someone mm-hmm. might say oh I haven't had something that bad or I've had something worse or whatever the thing is but it's really a personal relationship that we have to the experience and then the stories and narratives that we build around it. But regardless of the darkness of the experience, much to your point, there's always the opportunity to look for the gap between the fielders, but then that's where you come in supporting people with finding that gap between the fielders, regardless of whether it's a curveball or a, or whatever. Totally. Looking at. It, it can be anything. So one of mm. my really good friends actually teaches like trauma reprogramming. Mm. And I've learned so much from her because you can reprogram a trauma often in like 20 minutes or with a breakthrough in an instant so that you can immediately just start to see things a different way. And she told me about a time where when she was a kid, her parents said that they couldn't afford for her and her sister to go ice skating. So she let her sister go, but she made a decision within herself because she felt left out and so on and so forth, that she was never going to be poor in her life. So it was something that was a traumatic incident for her, even though you wouldn't necessarily describe that as trauma, but as a little Mm -hmm. kid, when someone experiences something that doesn't make sense to them, they then Mm -hmm. start a new belief about themselves, other people or the world, which means as they go through life, the trajectory 
can really change. So I think it's really interesting that now we are grown, we get to do this work and we get to look at, okay, was it being bullied in the playing field that has made me so successful? Did I have a positive response from that? Or what has come about in my behavior or my way of living and being that actually is not adaptive or is not fully functional and how can I go back and really dig into those places and spaces so that we can reprogram things so we can live easier more joy-filled lives too Mm, 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 mm. I love that I love that taking the situation but then that much to the point of I don't know how aware your friend was as a small child and facing the incident Mm. but how much let's not go that way let's look to the positive how can people start to bring that level of awareness to situations on their everyday lives that they can have that pause and make the conscious choice in those moments to look for those gaps to look for okay how can this be a growth moment um how can this be something that i build on versus something that takes me down my spiral into despair beating myself up sad all of the things yeah it's such a great question and positive psychology has got hundreds of different interventions and exercises that you can use Mm -hmm. and one of the things i really love about this science because it is a science it's an evidence-based discipline where Mm -hmm. researchers are going out and they're doing experiments to test what works Mm-hmm. But the findings and the things that they are testing are really simple tools. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you are in a downward spiral of thinking or suffering, one of the easiest shifts that we found that works for you to make is to move into a place of gratitude. Mm-hmm. So that might be done just really simply by thinking about three things that you're grateful Mm -hmm. for in that moment and it cuts you through the negative loop of thinking because where Mm -hmm. gratitude is there's less space for suffering Mm -hmm. you might also so there's an intervention for gratitude specifically which is the gratitude letter so -hmm. that's writing a letter to somebody who you've never properly thanked and that's known oh. to increase your well-being for up to a month after you're writing it, even if you don't wow. send it. So there's so many different things like that. There's also you can break down your thinking so that it rather than judging someone else or judging yourself, you break it down and you're looking for what the positive swaps are or what you can learn within that. And then what might be a different new positive way of thinking and being after it. But there's so much in the science and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like once you know what positive psychology is I say that it's not actually just a science it's a lifestyle it's like a way of living and you become more and more resourced and it gets easier and easier over time so I think one of the things is that a lot of these ideas have been they've come into mainstream culture and so I think maybe people underestimate the power of gratitude a lot of people oh gratitude like oh yeah so thankful blah 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 but there's a lip service gratitude and then there's an actual space of gratitude that creates the change. How can people differentiate or step into the real version versus being caught up in the lip service? Oh, I'm very grateful. Oh, that didn't work. Blah, 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 versus no, I'm actually doing this exercise properly. I'm diving in. Thank you for acknowledging that, first of all. So one of the things that I've really noticed, I even noticed it in myself, is being too busy 
to do these practices or saying, oh, I'll just get around to journaling when and pushing it up, pushing it further forwards in your calendar. Now, these interventions and exercises and dedicated moments for yourself, they don't need to take a long time. So rather than doing something for two hours once, what I always invite you to do is to develop a micro practice or a micro ritual. So I'm really huge on systems, both in business and in personal life too. So I look at how you can actually integrate the science into your day where you're consistent with it and you can actually start to experience the compounding effect. So the effect of these small things over time that you'll look back and be like, oh, actually, I do feel like a different person. I have had a transformation, but that starts by actually making a commitment to get these things into your day. So it might look like, for example, committing to 10 minutes every morning as soon as you wake up to do a thank, connect and move ritual. So thank would be waking up in gratitude. And I talk about a gratitude rampage where you are mindfully considering and really getting into the feeling and the emotion of the things that you are grateful for. So rather than just saying, okay, I'm grateful for this, and then kind of getting on with making the kids breakfast or whatever it is, give yourself, I usually use music. So I'll, let's say 10 minutes, choose three songs that you love, put them into a playlist And for the first song, sit in gratitude and consider all of the things that you're thankful for. Second song, when it changes, so you go and thank first, connect second. So this is your meditation song. And meditation, if you think it's weird or you think you're too busy to do it, (laughs) that was like me. I used to um, sit on the edge of my bed and be like, right, okay, now I'm going to meditate. And all of the thoughts in the world would come in. So what I found really beneficial is if you find it hard to meditate, then just pair it with some breath work. So breath work is a meditation. And when you're focused on your breath, you can't be focused on anything else. So you could do one song gratitude, one song meditation, and then one song movement. So movement might look like getting up, dancing. It might look like shaking. So I love yeah, shaking is really good. Oh, it's so good. And it mm-hmm. helps shift the emotion. In nine or 10 minutes, you can feel like a different version of yourself. Now, everybody can commit to that. And you could do that three times a day or one time a day and just Mm -hmm. get intentional about it. And over Mm -hmm. time and also in the moment, you're going to start to see the positive shifts. I love how you've said, like, create a playlist. The system there is really simple because you can even have fun playing with different songs. You can experiment with different ones and make a game of it. But it's simple. You've got your playlist. It's set. You can even, a lot of phones as well will let you put, like my, my iPhone let can put a song for my alarm. So the first in the playlist could be the first song and then you can have a playlist for the other two. So your alarm could be what gets you up in the morning is that song. So you can actually have then the NLP anchor of that song with, oh yeah, gratitude and your body gets used to, oh, like a Pavlov's happy, great, grateful dog, yeah. right? <laughs> the, 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 the physiological connection to, um, to the song and to gratitude. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Um, I want to sort of bring this into making it a bit about you and what you do. So you started off this whole journey with sports therapy 
and then moved into so when you started the business in 2010 was that working with business owners like what was it that you were you started doing then so at that time I was studying for my master's in positive psychology with a specialism in physical activity and I was mm-hmm. living in Amsterdam because mm-hmm. I needed to save up money to be able to afford my master's degree mm-hmm. so my friend's dad had a gold brokerage company completely random and 20 of us went out to live and work in Germany, the Netherlands and Belgium. And it's interesting because at this stage in my story, it definitely wasn't what I wanted to be doing long term, but it was a sidestep that was Mm -hmm. still fueling the main path. Mm -hmm. And I would sit at work and sometimes it was quiet. Sometimes we had a lot of meetings. So when it was quiet, I was reading books and I read Tim Ferriss's for our work week. Nice. So I was looking at this thing like passive income. I'm like, how do I do this? Like, how do I make passive income? So the first business that I set up was actually a supplements company. And it was a green juice powder that was made in the US that I distributed in the UK. And it was done on a drop shipping basis. I did loads of research. I still take the supplement now because it's so good. But at the time, what it gave me was like seeing these like $50 come in when I wasn't even doing anything to make money happen. So it was almost like I just found this like magic where I could start to create money while I was doing something else. So that business was the one that I originally got the investment from Sir Richard Branson's um, money company Virgin for. And then I went on to fuel and really get into more teaching with the athletes and that positive side of the business. I then bundled it all together and I was doing motivational events and speaking, coaching, personal training and this supplements business. And I say that was like my market research that went on for five years, because whilst I was doing what I loved, I really wasn't making enough money to make it exciting or really like live life on your terms. Yeah, you were were doing your own thing, but it wasn't providing the resources for you to really live life on your own terms. So what was the pivot from there? Like, where does it evolve to living it up in Beverly Hills? Well, I realized I'd given myself a job to a degree and I was working all of these hours, kind of getting up at 5 a.m., doing all of the things that I loved, but I felt rubbish doing them because I was so tired and exhausted. So I knew something had to change and I got really excited about writing my first book. So I decided that I was going to leave the UK and I was going to go three months and I was going to go to Australia and spend some time with my brother who actually lived in New Zealand at the time. So I sold my car and moved out of my apartment. I'd been fueled with a a lot of confidence at that time because whilst the business wasn't making a lot of money, it was creating an impact and it was creating waves in the northeast of England. And some people, I I still to this day don't know who it is, but people nominated me for some awards at that time. And I'd won the Young Business Person of the Year Award, which it was amazing. Like it it just gave me that sense of like... <laughs> it gave me sometimes we need that, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, yes, I can do this. And I went and left the UK, took my business online. 
because there was this thing that was going on at the time where everyone's like, yeah, you can be location independent. Mm-hmm. So I had my little suitcase and Wi-Fi in my dream. And I went off and I started writing the book. Now, when I launched the business online, it was a total disaster. So we'd spent six months trying to figure out how to run Facebook ads and how to run a group coaching program and was really proud of what we'd created. And then when I went and launched it, I had one person sign up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I panicked because I'm now on the other side of the world. <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you doing? You're mad. You can't write a book. I don't think you, I really don't think you should be an entrepreneur, Nick. You can't do it. You've just made like 197 quid or something. That's not, you know? I'm not going to keep the lights so, on. Yeah. So I'm like going through this, like to and and from it. Like, am I the crazy one? And mm-hmm. should I listen to everyone and go and get a job? And I applied for six jobs in New Zealand mm-hmm. and I felt physically sick. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like, my head was saying one thing because my head was listening to everyone, but my heart and my intuition was like, Nick, you can do this. You can do this. So I applied a lot of positive psychology at that time. And I was going out, I was putting on a positive podcast and it was the winter in New Zealand. So I was like wrapping myself in like my rain jacket going out and walking for an hour with this positive podcast on, freezing my ass off. But it was starting to shift the way that I was thinking. So rather than being in scarcity and worry and, oh my God, what have I done? I was in this place of, okay, this is possible. I can do this. Things are going to work. And I ended up going back to doing one-on-one coaching, which is what I'd done in Newcastle previously, and selling one-to-one instead of trying to sell one-to-many. Mm-hmm. And because I was doing all of this meditation and the shift in the way that I thought and felt that month, I actually ended up making 35K in 35 days. So <laughs> I ended up making more in a month than I would have been planning to make in a year in my mm-hmm. engineering career. And wow. then I made 100K in 100 days. I did a million before I was 30. And mm-hmm. we now have more than 6,000 clients. Mm -hmm. I have a certification program, two masterminds. I've worked with $100 million business owners. I've got the Mm -hmm. team of 30 that work with me. And the the girl from Newcastle has come good. Yep. (laughs) And it's still just the start. So just the start. Yeah, I just see that there's so much. Amazing, amazing. (laughs) So when you... um, when people are looking at, for example, your certification program or your mastermind, what kind of people are really going to get the most out of what you're doing right now? Certification is really special because the vision for that is to arm more people with these positive psychology tools so they can go out and help other people with them. So the certifications, it could be for coaches who are just getting started and they want a framework to use. Um, coaches, some of the coaches we have in the certification have done 50,000 hours of coaching. So it could be for really accomplished coaches who want to learn the science. So they want a new mm-hmm. modality. We also have a lot of corporates, so human resources execs who want to be able to build stronger, more fulfilling teams. Um, and then for masterminds, it's really anyone who wants to kick ass in that online business. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing. Pretty simple. And the best way for people to get in contact with your team? Um, so the website, unstoppablesuccess.com. 
Okay. I love hanging out on Instagram. So I'm a big voice noter. Do I do I follow you on the gram? I, I need to make sure. Seriously, hope so. <laughs> I'm gonna remedy that. I don't really manage my IG account. I pop in now and then. So people, anyway, I'm gonna look. So what's the what's the gram? I'm Nick Pidge on the gram. That's my favorite place to hang out. And then I have the Unstoppable Success podcast as well. Okay. Nick Pidge. Got ya. Yay. We are friends. Oh, bollocks. You were following me and I wasn't following you. Well, it's been remedied now. We're best mates on the gram. We're best mates on the gram. We need to go live. We're going back on, I think, January. We're back to doing um, our Thursday live on Instagram. We need to hop on there. Yeah, that'd be fun. Every every Thursday we have a just me just have a cool chat just about the topic of abundance on the gram. We do that. So down for that. Keep posting. Um Nick, fellow Brit, fellow escapee, badass, mama jama, doing it big, killing it. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us today. Do you have any closing final thoughts, words to share with the audience today? I think like one of the um things that I've learned through my journey is like the energy of never quitting so I'm a big believer that the only way that you can fail is if you quit so the invitation instead of quitting is to recommit and I think that's something that even though it's hard or even if it doesn't go your way when you recommit whether that's once a year or three times a day you're always going to find success thank you thank you thank you listeners you heard it here unstoppablesuccess.com go sign up have a poke around Join me, um, following Nick on IG and see what's going on. But most importantly, recognize that this is your life. Uh, the p- twists and turns that may have popped up could appear to have been the end for you, but it's only the end if you stop. Keep looking between the, the fielders. If you're a American or some other weird country that doesn't understand what cricket is, Look for the space between the people and look at not baseball. At yeah. <laughs> look at the space between the people. Look for the opportunities. Keep dreaming with your eyes open, listeners. Remember, you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose driven life and buy it for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It with Dan.